Well, good morning. Hope you are having a great day. Today is going to be a great day in the life of our church. We got our name tags on. I don't have mine on, but you saw David as he pointed his out. Thank you for taking the opportunity simply to say, hey, we're going to be recognized in this room. For those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for joining us. And hopefully one day soon, you will be back here amongst us and you will join us. So it's going to be great. We've got a fellowship after the church today, and we hope that everybody plans to stick around for that. Now, as we begin and open our Bibles, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6, and I encourage you to go ahead and begin turning there. Joshua chapter 6 reminds me of just something that took place this uh, two weeks ago or so, and perhaps you will remember the newspaper clippings. I, I enjoy uh, watching. I enjoy watching the news. I would like to keep up with the news. And a little over two weeks ago, our nation and world grieved. As images of a 12-story beachfront condo in Miami, Florida, collapsed under its own weight. Perhaps you saw the news report. The news report described the building as having a sudden pancake-like collapse. This, uh, this building initially killed five, and there was another 156 that were unaccounted for. And as of today, I just looked a few moments before I came up here, 86 were dead from the ages of 4 through 92, and those numbers continue to rise. And as you look at this picture on this screen, I believe we have it, there it is, you see the nature of what took place. It's a terrible, terrible scene. This, the, the weightiness of the building structure itself simply collapsed on itself. In fact, as you might expect, the chaos ensued with search and rescue teams that made the priority of finding people whether they were dead or alive. Dramatic pictures of despair and disbelief and grief were shot all over the world. And questions arise in moments like this. How could this have happened? Who is responsible? How could this have been prevented? And can anyone be safe again in one of these condo buildings? All great questions and all things that we might want to think about when we walk in and, and examine where we are staying. But this recent tragedy reminds me of Joshua chapter 6 and an eerily similar type of collapse. In fact, Joshua chapter 6 is the story of Jericho and the walls of Jericho suddenly pancake-like collapsing. And so we see this story unlike the pictures that we just saw of human error and lack or neglect of maintenance for that building or so it seems. This is a story this morning of Joshua chapter 6 of God providing and protecting his people. And if you have your Bibles, if you would go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 6. This is the sixth book of the Bible, and it goes Genesis, Exodus, and you go six books across. So you just go from Genesis, take a right. And as we go, let me remind you the story, remind you the scene this morning. Moses, the servant of God, is dead. Joshua has become the unquestioned leader of God's people. He has just finished, as we saw last week, leading the people of God over a dry riverbed that used to be a swollen Jordan River. The people of God are headed home to the promised land, a land that they have been thinking about for decades upon decades. 
The land was flowing with milk and honey. They were filled with wonderful, expectant anticipation of what would come. And the next step, as you might imagine, they've gotten over the river, and the next step was to conquer the city in the way, and that city was Jericho. It was a fortified city. Their next step would simply be one step closer to their final destination, But Jericho stood in their way. It was one of the oldest cities in all of the world. It was known for idolatry and violence and immorality. And it was known for exploiting the poor. It was not really a big city. Get in your mind, it was a city that was about two football fields just smashed together. Okay, that's, it's not very big. It wasn't very long. It wasn't very wide. But it was an impenetrable fortress city that was all brick. And it was built to fight. It had a city wall around the entire city. And this was a wall that we know was probably fairly large. In fact, we see the story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 where Rahab had her, her, her actual house was in the city wall. And inside this city, there was fighters trained to fight. And not only were they trained to fight, these ones who were in the city walls, they were looking for a fight. So if you have your Bibles... Joshua chapter 6, we're going to read 1 through 5 this morning. Read along with me. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. You see, the people in Jericho, they had heard about this people of God, and they had heard about God going and fighting for them. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand. I think this is a great statement here. We see on the front end of the story today, we see that God says to Joshua, I've already given you the city. It's kind of a future tense. It's a, it's a looking forward to what's going to take place. He says, I have already given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you should do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. He said, hey, look, go get these, not the silver trumpets of the celebration days. Go get the battle horn that we will blow. It's dirty, and it's been marked up, but it's ready for war. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you shall do for six days. In verse 4, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. There before the altar... And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Verse 5. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down pancake flat. And the people shall go up and everyone straight before him. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray this morning that you would be honored and you would be glorified in all things that are said this morning. That, God, you would allow us to see how you go before your people. That you fight on our behalf and you have already won the battle. We simply need to obediently walk along with you. God, teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, this morning, I have a confession. I am a sports fan. I really enjoy sports. I love baseball and football and basketball. Tonight, I'm going to attempt to watch the game tonight of the NBA Finals between the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, the problem is, I'm kind of a busy guy. I kind of lead a busy life. I like to stay busy. And it's hard for me to sit, sit still for two, three hours at a time. So I'm really not a good watcher of anything. And another thing is, I'm kind of a morning person. I like to get up early, and I like to go to bed early, okay? So the games come on late, and it's hard for me to stay up. So I'll often try to catch the scores, like many of you, in the morning to see what happened. What do I do? I go to the ESPN app. I will click on it, and then I will look at the scores, and I will go quarter by quarter, first quarter. The Suns scored this many, and the Bucks scored this many. And then second quarter, I'll, I'll look and say, oh, I wonder who wins at halftime. Who's winning? No. What do I do? I don't go quarter by quarter or inning by inning. What do I do? I jump to the final score. I want to know who won. I'm impatient. How did they win? Was it a walk-off home run, a penalty kick, a field goal, a blowout, or perhaps tonight we're going to see a three-pointer at the buzzer? So this morning, with that in mind, I would like to begin with the end in mind. What's the final score of our text this morning? What happens at the end of Joshua? We know we're going to start at the beginning of Joshua. What's the end result? So turn, if you will, all the way to Joshua chapter 6, verse 27. The last verse, the end of the story. What's the final score? What's the punchline? Let's watch the end of the movie first. I know most of you don't do that, but let's do that this morning. Joshua chapter 6, verse 27 says this. So the Lord was with Joshua. He's still standing, okay? There's about to be a military exercise. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all of the land. Now, we know that there is something taking place here. He is standing, and his fame has grown. So I want us this morning to notice this. The goal of every believer is an intimate relationship with a Savior. That is the goal this morning for each of you here in this room and for those of you who are watching online. The goal is a relationship, not the fame. Now we know in Joshua chapter 27, the end of it, is that the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. Few of us, however, this morning will become famous. Even fewer preachers will become famous. Perhaps some people in this room will become famous one day, but even fewer preachers will have that honor. I won't be a Charles Spurgeon with a sweet beard. I know that probably one day I will not be like Charles Whitfield, who traveled the countryside and was known for his great preaching. I will probably not come to your house and nail anything to your front door like... Martin Luther. I will not make a bunch of songs and create a bunch of melodies that will be sung for hundreds of years to come, like John Calvin. I will be, not be known as the greatest intellect, perhaps in the theological world, like Jonathan Edwards. And I probably am not going to be on national television traveling all over the world like Billy Graham. I have resigned myself to that fact. But I might be like Count Zinzendorf. I want to introduce you to Count Zinzendorf. In fact, I have a sweet picture of him today. Look at that. That's Nicholas von Zinzendorf. He was a pretty, actually, he was a pretty famous dude. He was a German Protestant reformer in the 18th century. But you've probably never heard of Count Zinzendorf. He was, he was a guy that, uh, honestly, well-known throughout the parts, but you don't know anything about him, but you and I might be just like him. 
Apart from the fancy hairdo, the ruffled shirts, or the pilgrim shirt with, or pilgrim shoes with the sweet buckles on them, we might be just like him. In fact, the dusty history books remember only a couple of things. And one thing I want to point out is he said this. He said, preachers ought to do one thing. They ought to do this. They ought to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. They ought to be obedient to the point that they do not seek to be famous. They want to honor the Lord Jesus with all of their life and allow, allow God to tell their story however he chooses. You see, our satisfaction comes with not our lot in life, but in the depth of our relationship with our Lord. Let me say it again this morning, and it is this. The goal of every believer is an intimate relationship with the Savior. That is what our goal is this morning, that we would know God and that God would know us intimately. Joshua 6 gives us a glimpse of this this morning. Is man, this is talking about a man, Joshua, who wanted to please his God and the people of God wanted to obey their God. And many times you think of this story as a great military conquest. Perhaps you grew up, some of you, watching and listening today, you sung the song of Joshua won the battle of Jericho. Well, there wasn't really much of a battle. It's quite the opposite, in fact. It's a story of God's people obediently following the commands of God and God prevailing upon their life in victory. And this morning, that's what I want for me, and that's what I want for my family, and that's what I want for this church, and that's what I want for you individually. In fact, the Apostle John said this this way in John 3.30. He said this, for he, Jesus, must increase and we must decrease. And in moments when we think of great battles, we think, how in the world can we decrease when our name is going up in lights? And I say to you this morning, may our obedience proclaim the good news of a great and mighty God. And may Jesus increase while we decrease. Now that we know the final score, now that we know that Joshua is still standing and there's an intimate relationship between he and God, let's dive deeper into the story and find out how we arrived at this statement. When you seek to honor and know the Lord this morning, you will surrender to his will. When you seek to honor and know the Lord this morning, you will surrender to his will. The first five verses that we just read is all about Jericho, a barbaric city that stands in the way of the promised land. It's standing in the way of the promised land. It's the next city up. We're going to go through them. We're going to take them. And they're a sitting duck. In fact, they're not only a sitting duck, but look what it says. We just read it a minute ago. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. They had heard God had worked in that, on behalf of the people of God. And none went out and none came in. They had battled down the hatches. They were a sitting duck. The people were a sitting duck for the Israelite army just to mow them down. They are holding on. They are holding on for dear life. They will not give up. In fact, it reminds me of this picture. Jericho is this frog saying, I'm not giving up. I am a sitting duck. I am not going down without swinging. Common sense would say for the Israelite army, let's mow them down. Let's amass the troops, let's have a bit blitzkrieg, let's beat them into submission, let's put the full course press on, or if you're a football guy, let's all out blitz them. 
Let's roll, let's plow right through them. We might lose some people in the process, but we will win decisively. And then something happens to you and I that takes place all the time, and it's these two words, but God. God has many times, he has a different plan for you and I, doesn't he? A lot of times we have these plans. We know what we want to do. We know what we want to accomplish. It's a familiar cry for all believers. Let's do it my way on my timing and in my conditions. Let's launch a brilliant military campaign. General George Patton of World War II fame, he said, let's go through them like poop through a goose. Except he didn't use that language. It's the mic version. God responds normally like he does is I have a different plan. You and I, sometimes we concoct this great idea that will work good for us, but he has a different plan. Imagine the conversation. God says, hey, listen, get the trumpets. The, the, the what? Get the trumpets. Get the Ark of the Covenant. Hey, God, you mean the wooden box that, carried, that were carried by the priests? Yeah. That's the way we're going to fight this war. Can you imagine? We have a better idea. Don't we argue with God? We have a better idea. Hey, let's get some swords. Let's get some javelins and some spears and catapults and chariots and horses and torches. And man, I love the guillotine. Ding! Let's get a couple of those things because we know how to fight the battle. And God says, nope. But I will be needing the priest. The, the priest, you're talking about the guys that wear the robes? The ones with the dresses on? That's right. I want the priest. But, but God, they aren't fighters. They're writers. They're, I guess you could call them warriors, but they're prayer warriors. The military leaders probably were standing back. You've got to be kidding me. So let me get this straight, the military warriors say. They're these battle-hardened men. They get up there and say, you want us to assemble the marching band, the trumpets. God said, yep, I want the marching band. You want the Ark of the Covenant, the the small wooden box with the Ten Commandments and the presence of God. That's what you want. That's what we're going to fight with. That's what we're going to fight with. And the third thing, you want us to bring the priests, the the preachers, like like James Merritt. You know, I would pick him for a public debate because he can talk you to death. But I'm not going to pick him in a fist fight. You want the preachers. Yep, I want the preachers. I want the James Merritts to come out. And the people, just like we do, said, what in the world? How are we going to fight? How are we going to win this battle with these things? When God calls and the goal is a relationship, believers will surrender to God's will, not our own. Second thing is, you will follow his commands. You will surrender your will, you will bend your will, but you will also follow his commands. Let's look at verse 6. Let's get verse 6 and following. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant of God. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Then he continues in verse 8, and he says this, And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the people went. They didn't ask questions. They simply followed God. Now look, simply point is this. Go back to the point. God's people follow God's commands. 
You see, I had a whole lot more to say about that. I wanted to talk about people following the word of God, walking around the city six times, and on the seventh day, a number of completion and, and perfection. But why say more this morning? The point is clear. When we strive to know and to honor the Lord, we will surrender our will and we will follow his commands. The third thing this morning I want you to notice is you will live his way. You will live the way he desires for you to live. And sometimes that's hard. Why? Because again, we have this idea of how we ought to fight this battle. But God, you don't know my boss. You don't know my children. You don't know what's facing me. Let's look in verse 15. On the seventh day, they arose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Now, let me stop there just for a moment. The first couple of days, can you imagine the scene? Here's what takes place. The first six days, they said, hey, listen, Joshua, you and your men are going to walk around the city one time. You're going to blow the trumpets, and what you're going to do is you're going to remain in silence. You're going to walk around the city. Now, remember we talked last week. We're talking a million-plus people here. They left their camp. They walked around the city, probably far enough away from the city walls, in order for them not to get hit by a javelin or a spear or some arrow of some sort. They were probably far enough away, but far enough or close enough to hear the jeers of the people on the wall. Wait, what are you doing? They probably followed them as they went around thinking they're going to attack at any moment. Day one, they went through nothing. Now remember, a million people or more is taking place. You're walking around. The people at the head of the line are already back in base camp eating, relaxing when the person at the back finishes his walk. And then day two comes around. Hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight with those swords? Are you going to fight with those trumpets? What are you going to do? The cat calls. Imagine what it was like. Hey, listen, is that all you got? Day three, day four, day five. Perhaps the people in the city walls say, yawning, I don't, I'm not even going to follow. I'm not even looking. They're not attacking. They're chicken. They're scared. Let's go back. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be given, devoted to the Lord for destruction. Now look right here, shout for the Lord has given you the city. This is prior to the actual battle. This is something that we can claim that God has already given you the city, he says. Now picture the scene on the seventh day. They're now walking around. The six days they walk and they leave and go back to base camp while everybody else files by the city. But on the seventh day, they're walking around seven times now. It's almost like a boa constrictor starts to constrict against that city. It's the picture that we will see depth upon depth upon depth. Five, six, seven layers of people surrounding every inch of that city wall. And they rose early and they marched confidently and they shouted God doesn't need your skill set this morning. He doesn't need your talents, your abilities, and your intellect. These natural abilities that you and I possess, many times they're hindrances to our relationship with God. But remember the end of the story. The Lord was with Joshua. And that was his claim to fame. We don't see God praising his military prowess and his leadership skills. The Bible highlights the relationship that Joshua had with God. And this morning, may we seek to live 
God's way in order to continuously build upon that relationship. Joshua told the people to shout, and God used their voices, not their battle-hardened fighting experiences. He used their voices, their weaknesses, not their razor-sharp swords. You see, God uses their voices, which is often our greatest asset. Or as you know, if you are married, sometimes our worst liabilities. You see, God's ways are not our ways in many cases. When I walk into a presence and I say, hey, listen, let's do this, and I don't seek to honor and know what the Lord wants, sometimes I simply say, I know what to do. But we are to bend our will to the very will of the Father God says in Isaiah 55, he says these words, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is a story not about a battle or crumbling wall. Sometimes we read the Bible, we just plow through it, and we say, hey, it's all about a crumbling wall. I got, I got the gist of it. It's about a people who strove and strive every day to please their God through surrendering their will and following his command and living God's way. Would you consider this morning taking your but God off the table and putting yes God on the table as a result? So a lot of times we say, hey, listen, I'm not gonna walk across the street to my neighbors because I'm just not very skilled. But, but God, you don't understand. I, I stutter a little bit. I'm not a very good speaker. God still used Moses. Sometimes you say, well, I don't have the intellect that somebody else has, and so I can't really, my boss is really smart. I don't wanna engage in a conversation because what if he stumps me? Take your But God off the table and put your yes God on it. The result will be a deeper relationship with the God who loves you deeply. The relationship with God is the one who he patiently waits for us simply to be obedient. He has sent, remember he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That's how much he loved us. And he desires to be with you just as he was with Joshua. When you seek to know and honor the Lord, the fourth thing is you will advance his agenda. You will advance his agenda. You will participate in what God wants for you. Verse 20 says this. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. This so word is a word that precedes activity. It precedes obedience. So the people shouted. What happened? They were given instructions, so the people shouted. And the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell pancake flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Two times we see this word so in, in, in this passage in verse chapter 6 or verse 6. So Joshua, it obeys the Lord and takes this unlikely band of characters into battle. Says, okay, God, you told me to do it. So Joshua went. We see it here in verse 20. So is used again to show that the people were doing what was asked of them. May it be such that when God calls us, the words that come next for us would be, so Mike obeyed. So John went. So Tammy obeyed and Followed his commands. May there be a so in front of your life, not a but God, but a so. The people marched. 
They shouted, the trumpets blew, the walls crumbled, and the city fell. God uses the obedience of ordinary people. You see, we can be just like Count Zinzendorf where nobody will know our names. In fact, you'll say, hey, look at how he's a funny dresser. God uses funny dressers. Not because of abilities, not because of talents and skill sets, but because of their obedience. And that's typically how God works, isn't it? Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support, or sometimes it says, looking for those whose heart is blameless or completely his. You have done foolishly in this, from, for from now on you will have wars. It's this idea that God is seeking hearts whose are completely his, not swords that are expertly sharpened. See, sometimes we spend all of our time trying to hone our craft, but yet we forget the one who is the craftsman. When you surrender your will, obey and follow and live according to God's plan, your heart changes, my heart changes. Our activities change and the enemy crumbles under the weight of Christ in us. We just saw a bunch of pictures on the screen that Greg showed us of, of this church in San Diego. In fact, you met the pastor, Justin, who was here just a couple of weeks ago. You see, Justin was a mega church pastor on a staff with resources and people and all kinds of stuff. He would pull off VBS for hundreds of kids. And he gets to San Diego with a church of 17 members. He's already done multiple funerals in that church. And he said, hey, listen, would you partner with us to help pull off a VBS? Because we've got, we've got kids coming, but I don't have anybody who's ever, one, seen one. Two, they don't know what to do to pull it off. And so Justin left his home in Charlotte, North Carolina, and permanently moved to San Diego for a church of 17. 14 people said, hey, listen, I'll go and help. They heard the call just like Justin did, not for permanent, but for a week. When you feel God's call upon your life to simply go and participate and be a part of his agenda, you are being a part of the great mission that God has shown for us. The Apostle Paul said it this way, Colossians 1.27, he said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The thing that you have hope is, is Christ in you. It is the hope of glory. Striving for a relationship with God advances his agenda. It presses toward a relationship. And Jesus said in Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to restore the relationship because the relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden. May our daily strivings advance God's agenda. Number five, you will reap his rewards. You will reap his rewards. If you seek to honor the Lord, you will reap his rewards. Go back to the initial verse, verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. The reward was intimacy with the Lord. The added blessing was the fame. Consider just for a moment that you have waited all winter and all spring for Chick-fil-A to bring back their vaulted peach milkshakes. I get a little amen in there. June 14th is the announced day of return. June 13th, what are you doing? You're going through your pockets. You're climbing. The you're looking in the cabinets. You're saying, hey, I need some pennies. I need a dime. 
you have longed for this goodness to flow through your veins once again. But what happens? What happens if Chick-fil-A fails to put the cherry on top? You still have a glorious milkshake. But what happens if they forget? What happens if they forget the milkshake and just hand you a cup of cherries? Now, now we have a problem. Because the longing of my soul for all these many months was for the milkshake, not the cherries. The cherry is just simply that. It's a cherry on top. You see, that's the problem with our culture and our churches even today. We choose to focus on the cherry on top over the longings, the groanings of our relationship with God. You see, God desires a relationship with each of us. We were created for a relationship. God is in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All else, fame, fortune, health, prosperity, notoriety, accomplishments, degrees, trophies, newspaper clippings, they're all the cherry. My greatest desire for me and my family, for this church and you, is that you would be able to say this this morning. So the Lord was with, and put your name in the blank. The Lord was with Mike, and the Lord was with Susie, and the Lord was with Stephanie, and the Lord was with Matthew and Mark. Fill in your kids' names and the boss's name and your neighbor's name and your friend's name. If you end up this morning where you're headed, where will you be? The longer you drift, the further from Christ you will end up this morning. And let's set a course correction starting today. For you believers in the room say, I am going to bend my will to the will of the Father. I am going to surrender my will. I am going to obey. I am going to set the course for God's agenda in every way. This story is about obedient people, but it's also about a God who is fighting for his people. And just as those city walls crumbled under their own weight, the original word of that means that the walls literally fell, were completely destroyed, annihilated, exterminated. The walls were exterminated like a roach after Orkin comes by. Allow your mind just for a moment as we close to go back to the cross of Jesus. Jesus gave his life to exterminate sin to completely destroy it as if it never was there. Jesus came to restore the relationship with you and me that was broken when sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden from when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. From that point on, there was a, a broken relationship between us and God. And what what Christ accomplished on that day when he gave his life for you and for me was infinitely more profound and humanly impossible than a wall crumbling in Joshua chapter 6. The bad news is this morning is we're all sinners. It's not news to you. It's not news to me. And if it's news to you, then ask somebody that knows you real well. They'll help you. We're all sinners. The worst news is we can't do anything about it. The good news is that Jesus comes and he lived a perfect life and he died a cruel death on a Roman torture symbol, a cross, 
to knock down the wall of sin in your life and to restore a relationship that you could not do in and of your own. And the best news this morning is it is an absolute free gift that God offers you this morning. You see, Romans 10, 9, we say it all the time here. We use it every time we're in the baptistry. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved, gloriously saved from your sin. You'll gloriously be restored to a relationship. And then simpler, even still, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be gloriously saved. Will be gloriously saved. This morning, would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over the room? Would you just simply ask this question? Do I have an intimate relationship with the creator God of the universe? Have I ever asked Jesus to come into my heart forgive me of my sins and take residence and restore a relationship that was originally intended to be never ceasing. And if you've never done that this morning, I'm gonna invite you just simply to pray a prayer simply like this. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of what you expected of me. Father, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you come into my life right this very second? And would you tear down the wall of sin in my life? Make it pancake flat so I'll have unobstructed access to you, God. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So God, this morning, save me. Perhaps you are a believer this morning. You have not been obedient to the Lord and his commands. And you've wanted to do things your way. It's time to make a course correction. Would you simply say, God, I want to do your way from now on. Lord Jesus, for those in this room, would you allow them to feel your presence at this time? Would you come into those hearts and lives who don't know you and save them from their sin and give them hope that is only found in Christ Jesus? And Father, may this church be known as a church that obediently seeks an intimate relationship with their God. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning in the room or perhaps online, I wanna simply just say, if you made a decision, if you prayed with me or you, you are sensing the Lord doing something, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to crosspointchurch.com or text Jesus, lowercase j, I don't like that, but that's the way the system's set up, to 678-255-2566. Would you let us know about the decision? We want to walk with you. We want to walk with you on this journey. We want to help you. And when you know that God has already won the battle, as he said, I've already given you Jericho. This morning, God has already won the battle, ladies and gentlemen. And we can celebrate. We can raise a hallelujah. We can raise a shout because of what God has done. Literally, the term means to raise a shout. So how appropriate is it this morning to sing, shout to the Lord? That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to shout to the Lord, and what a beautiful name will follow. And it's fun seeing the Lord working in our midst. This morning, as we sing together and David and the band comes, would you simply say, I am going to shout to the Lord, and I'm going to sing about this wonderful name that we have. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Father, you have your way now as David comes. 
and you allow us to sense your presence in a real and powerful way. And God, as we sing and we shout and we celebrate what you have done in our lives, allow us, God, never to be the same. That we will know it's about obedience and you working in our hearts and lives. And God, as we shout to you, allow us to sense your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen.